Well, hello and welcome to another Picks Pod over here at the Her Little Sons Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Ritter. You can call me ND Tex. And as always, you can catch our show live on twitch.tv slash Her Little Sons. And you can also catch us in podcast form over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you happen to get your podcast feed at. Come join us in Discord. That is our live chat channel, herlittlesons.com slash Discord. And of course, you can always find us at our home at herlittlesons.com. With that said, it is time to bring in Eddie. Eddie, how are you doing, sir? Ryan, that will fully depend on the Toledo Rockets if they want to pull their heads out of their ass or not. Your boy got a little <laughs> loose on some Wednesday night action to catch up from some of Saturday's sins. and. <laughs> It's not looking great so far in that game, but at least Bowling Green is still as bad as when we played them. So you may hear some random outbursts. Don't mind those. No, it's for people listening at home. You're you're embracing the action. There's nothing wrong with embracing the action whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, last week, uh, I mean, on our board went about as it did. Uh, you may have had some sins on Saturday. I guess mine were forgiven. I basically broke even. Uh, we both broke even. Uh, last week, both of us going seven and seven, nobody really catching up in our little extra life uh, side donation bet. Uh, so I now sit uh, ahead two games at 66 and 80. Eddie is now at 64 and 82. And over in the HLS Pick'em, uh, Maume Muchachos, uh, that big lead is getting dwindled down. He now only has a two game lead over Sapipa. Um, 154-95 is Maui Muchachos, and Sapipa just two games behind him. Uh, I'm still flabbergasted by those numbers. Uh, I sit at 130 and 121. Uh, so, I mean, man, a lot of people over 500. I'm still still amazed by how many people over 500 in that. But we got another 14 games, Eddie. It is November. Things are getting crazy. And uh, man, last week was a great week of football. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. How about yourself? I mean, start to finish, it was just stacked with crazy games. It's hard to ask for a better Saturday of college football than what we got on last Saturday. It was fantastic. And while the slate is not as loaded, there's still plenty of games that could be fun this weekend. So I'm, I'm hoping we get a similarly fun one this weekend. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of potential here on this board. And, well, Eddie, are you ready to just get right on into it? Yeah, let's go, baby. All right, we bring up that beautiful board. And we got another 14 games. That seems to be a good number that we've settled on. And we are going to come out the gate all kinds of weird, Eddie. I hope you're ready for this one. We're going to stick with Saturday games here, and we're going to start with an unranked matchup, UMass and Northwestern. Northwestern, hashtag can't score any fucking points, finally found the end zone this past week. Apparently, that's good enough for a 40 and a half point spread over UMass. Total on this is 56 and a half. Oh my God, that's... Can there be no worse insult if you're UMass than to be a 40-point talk to Northwestern? What do you got in this crazy-ass game, Eddie? I mean, let's be serious. UMass is the worst team in college football. They're really bad. They're the, they're the worst defense by far. They've given up. It, let's, let's just go through. Last week, 63. Week before, 63. Week before, 56. Jesus. 60, 44. A lowly 29 to Akron, and then 62, 52, 48. 
This team is fucking terrible, and they give up points like crazy. However, if you think there is a chance in hell that I'm going to lay 41 goddamn points, six touchdowns with Northwestern, do you know how far back you have to go to get 40 points out of Northwestern? I, uh, it, if you've actually done this research, I'm genuinely their last curious. Their six I games. You'd have to combine their last six <laughs> games to get 40 points. <laughs> Remember that thing that I said about how they have, that how uh, Massachusetts has the worst defense in college football? Yes. They're, they're only the 125th ranked offense. That's two better than Northwestern. Oh, God. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. I wouldn't lay 41 with Northwestern if they were playing a goddamn high school seven on seven. <laughs> that is ridiculous. I'm, I am, I might be max betting Massachusetts this week. So help me God. We're riding with the Minutemen. If I can find a money line, hell, we're going to sprinkle that too. <laughs> 40 points? What the, what? What are we doing? That makes no sense. This this game screams, screams trap. It's a trap. Because I'm right there with you. How in the world are we expecting Northwestern to score 40? Like, just in general, I know what the total is saying. The total is saying that this game is, is going to be something like, well, I mean, basically like, what, 50 to 3 or something like that? It's... There, there's no none of this makes sense it makes no sense at all umass is garbage but northwestern hasn't been able to, to get any offense together and i really can't see fits i mean look northwestern is also objectively fucking terrible they've only won one game this season and they haven't been putting on as eddie said you have to go way back to even combine to get 40 points um, there was one hilarious thing on here, and I actually need to, to go back and double check this here because when I checked earlier today for uh, where the public money was, it wasn't the spread that stood out. It was on the total. Eddie, 70% of the tickets and 97% of the money are on the fucking under. Yep. <laughs> so. Yes. Guess who's going to be a part of that? <laughs> I don't blame you whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, there's there's no chance in hell I'm taking Northwestern. Good God, is this makes line makes no sense. Uh, look, we may be whistling right into that trap, but there's no way that I can take it. And, and not only that, 61% of the tickets, 69% of the money, while very nice, is on Northwestern to cover. So the public is actually on Northwestern. So every red flag is out there for me. Uh, to, so to hell with that. All right, let's get to some actual football games here. Uh. In, well, I mean, it is the Big Ten, so we're going to have to deal with the Big Ten for a couple of these. Uh, Indiana going on the road to play Penn State. Penn State is a 14 and a half point favorite at home. The total in this one is 40, excuse me, 54 in the hook. Dyslexia is fun. Um, so Penn State coming fresh off of getting, uh, rode the hell over by PJ Fleck. Uh, they played a, a really awful game on the road. I mean, not, I don't want to take anything away from Minnesota. I said this on the post game pod as well. 
but Penn State really, I mean, they just didn't look like they had it together at all. They just looked like a damn mess. Um, they were dropping passes. Uh, their offense just couldn't get going. Uh, so it's really hard for me to see that performance, even though they're coming back home, and and then to trust them to cover. And so far this season, Penn State's been 4-4 four and four in a push overall against the spread. Eddie, do you happen to know what they are against the spread when at home? Uh, I do not, actually. One, three, and one. Which, That's not very good. No, it's just all kinds of mind-boggling there. So you got that trend. You also have the fact that if you haven't been paying attention to Indiana, they've actually been winning some football games. They're a functional football team, and that hook is on the right side of the 14. For me to go ahead and say that Penn State might bounce back, but I'm not trusting them to cover more than two touchdowns. So go ahead and give me another underdog in this. We'll go back-to-back dogs here. What do you got, Eddie? Well, I guess we're going back-to-back simpatico, too. Uh, It's the hook that really does it for me. Uh, I think a two-score game sounds about right here, but all the points that you made kind of took right out of my mouth. Indiana's been a good football team this year. You know, they're they're bowl eligible. They're they're looking at a potential nine win season. Nine win Indiana is possible. <laughs> uh, I I think that Penn State is going to be pretty emotionally deflated after that game last week. You know that huge loss to Minnesota that that kind of takes out all of the hopes and dreams that they had of of possibly making the playoffs, especially since the rankings set up so well for them initially. Mm-hmm. I think they win. Um, I don't I don't think that's in question, but two scores feels about right. And like you said, that hook is in the right place. Is Vegas begging us to take Indiana with that hook? Yes, yeah, they are. <laughs> probably. But you know what? If I'm gonna keep whistling into damn traps, let's fucking let's just Did roll with it, man. Two in a row. <laughs> and and you know, a lot a lot of folks seem to be again. It's Wednesday, but it's it's a fairly even split on things. So, I I don't have any problem taking Indiana here, especially since the line opened at fourteen and then they added the hook. All right, well there you go. Uh, let's do one more. Uh, we'll we'll dip back into the Big Ten a little bit later when we get later into the day. But we got one more. We got a rivalry game here, Eddie. We got Sparty. We got the Skunk Bears in Ann Arbor. 13 and a half. Michigan is favored. 44 points is the total. Who do you got, Eddie? Man, Sparty sucks. <laughs> They're so bad. Spar- <laughs> Sparty's a bad football team. I remember, uh, I know some folks on Twitter have been having fun with the idiots at Indy Nation and people still claiming they want D'Antonio. I mean, I'll, I'll fully admit, I think probably on this podcast, we talked about people who we might want to take over Notre Dame at some point. Like three or four years ago, yeah, D'Antoni was on that list because, and the argument for him was, they're always so consistent. You don't see them dropping to four, <laughs> five, six win years. It's crazy how things change. Yeah, last last couple of years that hasn't been the case. No, not at all. That collapse that collapse against Illinois last week was just pathetic. Lewerke is. I, I think it's fair to say pretty trash at this point. He's not going to get the job done. And you'll never find anyone who hates Michigan more than I. Michigan's just a flat-out better team than them is really all there is to it. I think Sparty's dead. I, I think they are you, – you, we talk often about teams that will tap out 
when things start going bad. And they've been on the list. They, they had been on that list and, and they showed last week. I mean, I think they tapped out when they still had a two score lead and Illinois was on the comeback trail. So sadly, while we always preface it with a fuck Michigan, we will also take Michigan. Yeah, and Benny has it in the chat too with a good old hearty fuck Michigan. But man, Eddie, we're gonna we're gonna take it three in a row here to start off Simpatico. Uh I, I agree. Sparty's just an absolute disaster. Uh might might stick around Monday to see uh how how defeated Valenti's gonna be on the radio because he's he's had his fun. He's gotten to take his shots and woof. Man, has the other shoe dropped hard uh on Michigan State because yeah, everything's just a mess. Um not only did you have that 21 point comeback? Uh, but did you hear how D'Antonio handled the press conference after that, Eddie? <laughs> yeah. What, what would you say to your fans who are asking about the future? Next question. Yeah. That's never good. When next question is the answer your head coach is given for a, yeah. a 30,000 foot view. I mean, Oh, uh, and what, it, here's what's crazy. I mean, Sparty has covered this game 10 of the last 11. And I don't like, trust him whatsoever to even be close to it this time it around. Does, it doesn't even factor for me. I feel like they're just going to get stomped out. Like, that's how bad things have gotten that quickly. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, I, this, this uh, reeks of a game to where, you know, they're, they're going to be up for it in the first quarter. Maybe Michigan gets off to a slow start. Uh, but then the, the talent disparity is going to come into play because Michigan uh, has, you know, they they maybe turned a corner on us, which feels awesome. Just feels fucking great, let me tell you. But they're they're going to be playing good football. I think they're going to come right back out. Um, they really want to get the best of little brother this time, and oh, I have a feeling they they are going to do it here. So as much as it pains me, I will take Michigan and lay the thirteen and a half. And once again, the hook in a in a convenient spot where it's not two touchdowns plus. So I appreciate that. All right, let's head into the SEC for a couple of games, shall we? Number oh, 11, yeah. number 11 Florida, 7 point favorite on the road against Mizzou. And I know we've said before on this show that I, I quoted Bill C that Mizzou uh is either the worst road team of all time or the best home team of all time. Well, I am here to say I do not expect that trend to keep going here because I think Mizzou is just bad. They they are kind of what they are. Uh, Florida is is doing what they can to keep clicking on all cylinders right now. The thing that does make me nervous, even though it's early, is the public is heavy, heavy on Florida to the tune of eighty two percent of the tickets, seventy three percent of the money. But I just I think Mizzou's that bad. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and whistle right on in there with the public uh, because I just really don't think. Uh, Mizzou's going to be able to stop that pass rush, and, and they have shown that under pressure, um, Bryant doesn't do very well and can is prone to mistakes. The only thing got going for them is they're at home, but I'm just not expecting anything. So go ahead and give me Florida. I'll lay those seven on the road. Who do you got, Eddie? You mentioned the uh, the ticket and the bet disparity. The thing is, this opened at six and a half. And I feel like Vegas held on as long as they could before getting to that key number of seven before finally saying, okay, screw it. We've got too much liability here. We've got to go to seven. <laughs> I mean, okay, sure. Missouri has played better at home than on the road. Do you know who Missouri played at home this year? Off the top of my head, I do not. The oldest Mississippi, Troy, 
who is not a good Troy that we've seen in the past. This is a bad Troy team. Fresh off an Appy State loss, South Cackalack, and West Virginia. It's not exactly a murderer's row, to say the least. No, not so much. Plus, Florida, obviously, they've got their offense working. They had the, the nice little tonic that is the Vanderbilt Commodores come in last week, and they put up 56 on them. Florida's offense is clicking, and Mizzou, not only are they dealing with a bunch of injuries, I just don't think they're that good. Seven, the only thing that's scaring me here is seven feels like it might be like real low. Like I would have expected, I don't know, 10 or 11. Uh, I'm going to chalk that up to being on the road. That's Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of, but I was still surprised at how low it is. And so that, I'm not saying cartoon stink lines, but you know, you, you, you just, your nose is, is crinkling a little bit. Something, something just smells a little off. You're just wondering where that smell is coming from. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe somebody put a little too much perfume on before getting in the elevator. Something like that. But yeah, we'll, uh, we're going to, we're, we're ride or die this week, I guess. I'm well, taking the Gators. Well, let's see what happens on this next one. Alabama. Freshly defeated Alabama now has to go on the road to face the oldest of Mississippi's Eddie. The new number five team of the nation is still a favorite, still a heavy favorite. Uh, Mississippi State. Oh, Mississippi State. My bad. It is. It's a newer. It's a newer version of Mississippi. Ooh. Okay. I don't know how in the world I blanked on that. Uh, anyway. Uh, God. And I even have Old Miss at LSU below the sheet, so I'm I'm, I'm off to a great start. Anyways, Alabama, all that being said, is a 17.5-point favorite against Mississippi State. Total is 61 on the hook. Who do you have here, Eddie? I don't like this spread. I would, you know, my thinking is Bama comes out angry. Mississippi State is having a bad year. Three and six against the number, under 500. They, you know, they beat the hell out of Arkansas last week. Yippee. Uh, or well, two weeks ago, I guess they were coming off a buy. So, but even coming off a buy, the only thing that gives me pause here is ESPN's bottom line earlier today said Tua is a game time decision. That said, let's be serious. Bama knows that they're now playing from behind the eight ball and they've got to come out and murder folks. This Mississippi State team is not good. They got stomped out by LSU, they got stomped by AM. They lost to Tennessee. I mean, this Joe Moorhead, we've seen a lot of second-year coaches already get fired. I don't think Joe Moorhead's getting fired this year, but he's coming into next year with a warm ass because that's that hot seat's <laughs> getting turned up on him. Give me the tide. All right. Well, yeah, and, uh, and, and the other murders that you can put in there is another Alabama team, and that's Auburn, and they just made Mississippi State. It was a laugher, so. Tua or no Tua, yeah, this is one of those games to where uh, Bama could just run all over them, like quite literally. They may not have to pass the ball. Um, I believe Shakespeare said that. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> uh, famous football fan Shakespeare. But yes, yeah, so we're, we're simpatico again, Eddie. We're, we're, we're both rolling with the tide. Uh, all your reasons are exactly where I'm at as well. And um, Mississippi State just... Is not not good, and really, Bama's like you said, they're going to want to bounce back. They right now, it, it was hilarious that 
And even Spencer Hall over at Banner Society was saying, I now believe every conspiracy theory you people have had about Alabama, because as soon as LSU iced the game, they put up a graphic about how a one loss Alabama can get into the playoff. Yeah, I mean, they didn't, the body didn't even, it didn't get cold. It was still at normal temperature. I mean, that was yet flatlined. Jesus. Oh, but yeah, and, and so I mean, look. Jokes aside, they know that they are a trendy favorite to be a one-loss easy in there. Now they're at the outside looking in. They're going to have to win every single game. They're going to have to do it big, and beating up on Mississippi State is one heck of a way to do it. Well, Eddie, we're gonna we're gonna talk some historic spreads here because number two Ohio State is a fucking fifty-two and a half point favorite against Rutgers. On the road. Not enough. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to be simpatico here, but here's the analysis. All right, I'm going to I'm going to lay every last one of those points and not think about it twice because they're playing Rutgers and Rutgers is God awful. There's your analysis now for some fun stuff. So on Wednesday, uh, like today, basically, uh, the South Point Sportsbook in Vegas actually had a money lineup for this game. And they put Rutgers as a two thousand to one underdog, and somebody actually laid five da- five bucks down. Said, "What the hell? Let's get weird." <laughs> I I mean, I I'd set five dollars on fire for that. It's a I've ten thousand dollar payoff if it hits. Why not? It it's, ain't gonna hit, but hey, I've lost five dollars in much dumber ways in Las Vegas before. Oh, ain't that the truth? Um, yes, and 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 some funny things here is that. Uh, just 53 college football teams, uh, according to uh, what the Action Network is saying here, that their data going back to 2005, 53 teams have closed as 50 point or more favorites, but they did not since 2005 find a single team that was over a 50 point favorite on the road. The largest one wow. that they could find in their database was 46 points which Baylor uh, was on the road against Kansas in 2015. But they found another database that said that they found uh, one in 1987. and Well, two, actually. Both of these are in 1987. Both were also Oklahoma. 57 and a half against Kansas State and 54 against Kansas in 1987. So we are in some historical rare air here. Boy, I want to be a part of history. Let's do it. Cover that, baby. What do you got, Eddie? Oh, Ohio State. Rutgers is trash. <laughs> this is 10 points low at least. It was, I, I want to say it was Bud Elliott with Banner Society. Somebody was asking him, this was like three weeks ago, what his system would have made the game. And he said, my system, no shit, puts it as a 71-point spread. Jesus Christ. I mean, there's no chance. Rutgers is so bad. This is like high school. This is. I mean, honestly, there are high school teams that would put up a better fight against Ohio State than Rutgers at this now, point. I now, really bringing it like. back, bringing it back to the start of this show with UMass, they actually beat UMass <laughs> forty-eight they to twenty-one. They beat them convincingly. They did. Which, again, we may be walking into some danger, but I don't care because a Northwestern can't score, but we've established that already. Ohio State is an absolute murder machine. I mean, they put up 73 on Maryland last week. There were some, I saw some folks on Twitter were getting into some conspiracy theories that 
they thought that Maryland might have been behind Chase Young's news getting out there. Chase Young is from D.C. area. Right. Uh, you know, Loxley had history with them. And so there was some theories out there. And, was, I mean, you know, dropping onsides on them and going for it in the fourth quarter the way they were. That onside certain, kick was a thing of beauty, though. Oh, goodness. <laughs> that was, I mean, picture perfect. But they uh, they came out angry last week. I don't expect them to be nice this week either. So I will happily weigh. Not only am I going to lay those, my real hope is that I get a team total on Rutgers. <laughs> anything above zero, you're taking the under? <laughs> I mean, anything above three, I'm feeling pretty good about. If they get above a full touchdown, max bet. <laughs> full overload liquidate your mortgage at that point i mean holy hell all right well uh we're gonna do one more before we hit the break here uh we'll we'll head over to the big 12 where texas is back in the top 25 number 19 going on the road to unranked iowa state and texas is the dog in this one seven point favorite iowa state here total is at 66 who you got eddie ryan how many times have i praised (laughs) the glory of Ames, Iowa on this podcast? Quite a bit. Quite a bit. But what do those games pretty much all have in common? They were typically at night. They're all at night, and Iowa State is always the dog. Yep. Ames powers don't work at 2.30 in the afternoon, and they sure as shit don't work when Iowa State is a seven-point favorite against a ranked team. I feel like the value is has completely flipped to Texas on this one. If it was, let's put it this way. If Texas was favored by seven, everything else the same, I would feel much better about Iowa state winning by more than seven points than I do with Iowa state being favored by seven. This just, this doesn't work. None of their, there are prerequisites to the cyclone shenanigans (laughs) and none of them are being met. Give me the horns here. Oh, and you missed the other one, Eddie. Tom Herman as a fucking underdog. Woo! Tom Herman as an underdog. That's where we put our bets. When he's getting points, the betters all rejoice because Tom Herman is an underdog. Uh, beautiful reprisal. But yes, I'm with you. So, folks, you have your seven game parlay. We are simpatico on the first seven. Fuck me. <laughs> Can we get to this ad break already? Holy hell. But yeah, this was one. I mean, it was one of these games where y- you look at it and it's like, okay, I-, I know exactly. And there's another one like this where I'm like, okay, I'm taking, I'm taking what I'm sure is going to be the home dog. And then Vegas just flips it on his head and you're like, well, fuck now I don't feel smart anymore. Uh, yeah. So look, Texas had a rough time against K state, but they still ended up pulling it out. They may, they will end up having a rough time against Iowa state. Texas is still banged up. They're still a good football team. They are on the road. At the very least, Texas is going to keep this close. I, you know, if they lose, whatever, but I can't see them losing by more than seven points, quite honestly. It, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, that they would basically lose by two possessions in this game. Um, they, they haven't really played a game like that all season, quite frankly, except, you know, against a, a vastly superior Oklahoma team. So go ahead and give me the points there. And yes. Well, that said, I, I think we're going to take a break. Eddie and I are, are going to recheck our, our strategies here and see if uh, we, we can't shake some things up. 
right after this. All right, we are back, and now we are we're getting into the real interesting meat of the schedule. There, there, there's going to be a, a big spread here, and we're going to go ahead and get it off the schneid here before we get to the the very entertaining games, and that is Clemson, a thirty four and a half point favorite against Wake Forest. The total in this one is fifty nine in the hook. Clemson now number three. They, they, they don't need the murder machine anymore, right? They, they can calm down. But here's the thing uh, about, you know, initially I was, I was going to take Wake, Wake outright, but then I started doing a, a little bit of digging here because quite frankly, I, I like Wake. I like their offense, but Clemson's defense is what worries me. I was like, well, well, how many times have they actually covered the spread here? And, and I took a look at the times basically where they didn't. Uh, a couple weeks ago, they didn't against Wofford, but that was a gigantic ass spread. That was nearly 50 points. They had their weird game against North Carolina, and then the only other time they didn't cover was against Texas A&M, where Jimbo was fucking calling timeouts and doing everything he could to squeeze through the back door. Beyond that, Clemson's been covering everything pretty easily, too. Um, The lowest spread, they've only had three times where they've had spreads under 30 that they've had to cover. So over half their spreads have been at some insane numbers. And it's been around the 30, 35 mark. So, you know what? Against my better judgment, because I do like Wake, but I think Clemson is just going to do what they've been doing all season. I like the trend. I'm going to keep the trend going. Uh, not that I think Wake is in the same level as NC State, who they stomped, but they covered the spread was similar there, but they beat NC State by 45. So, with that defense, with that running game, I think Clemson's just going to keep being the murder machine, so I'll keep riding with them until they prove me wrong. Eddie, have we finally disagreed? Nope. <laughs> I, ironically, two of those three games that were less than 35-point spreads that you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, those, are, those are the only two. Ah, finally, Toledo. Those are the only two that Clemson didn't cover. Was the A&M game, which you mentioned, fucking Jimbo robbed me like a bank. And then obviously the North Carolina game. Wake is going the wrong way. I mean, they got stomped out by Virginia Tech last week. Shocking result. Absolutely yeah, that shocking. Was, <laughs> we were we were both on the wrong side of that one. Oh yeah. And and Clemson, you know, it wasn't until a couple of weeks ago that Clemson really turned it up. And once Clemson flips that switch, I mean, they were going for it on fourth in the fourth quarter last week. Now, granted, it was with backups in, but the thing about Dabo, and don't get me wrong, I hate the man, but the one part of him that I do respect is he'll put his backups in, but they're not changing their plays. No, not at all. They're still going to come for your ass, and it was pretty clear when they, they came in out of the top four last week and they came out angry. Yeah, you mentioned, okay, well, they're in the top four now, so they're good, right? Nah, once Clemson flips that switch, it doesn't get unflipped. So I'm going to take Tigers to cover here. All right. Well, we're going to get into the first of top 25 on top 25 violence. In fact, this is a top 15 matchup. Number four, Georgia, 
they are now playoff eligible. They snuck back in as the top one loss team, a two and a half point favorite on the road against number 12 Auburn. Eddie, who do you got? I think we're finally going to get one unless you're about to abandon your family. I'm going to take the dogs here. I have not wanted to trust Auburn all year. I still don't trust Auburn. I do not trust Bo Nix against this Georgia defense. And even if they're coming off a bye, that game against Ole Miss that they played last is really, really hard to get out of your head. I mean, they looked bad. They should have lost that game. Yeah, they ended up winning 20-14, to but it was ugly. Meanwhile, Georgia coming off a convincing shutout of Mizzou. Jake Fromm learning to throw more than six yards down the field, so I think that's a big thing for him. I think that defense is going to be too much for Auburn, and I don't trust Bo Nix against him. You know, you put Bo Nix up against a real team, look what happened, you know, lost LSU, lost to Florida, starts getting into the turnovers. I'm going to take the dogs. Eddie, I, I agree with most everything that you said. I am not abandoning my family, though. We finally disagree on one because here, here comes. I, I've been looking for spots where Georgia is finally going to get tripped up, and I think we hit it here. And everything seems to be aligning perfectly, especially because this season is starting to steer into some chaos. And I think the kiss of death for Georgia is actually getting to be put at number four. Because now if Auburn didn't have enough motivation before, they really fucking got some in this game. Uh, these two teams, it's not a, a, a big rivalry type game, but they don't like each other very much. They're, they're pretty much right on the edge there. If it wasn't for the Iron Bowl and the world's largest cocktail party, this would be it for these two teams. But Auburn has a habit of sneaking up and biting somebody square in the ass and ruining their season. And I think Georgia is going to be that victim here. Yes, Bo Nix against this defense does scare me, but if Ian Book could manage to not completely hose everything up, I think Bo Nix can probably do the same, especially because he is actually going to be at home. Um, that Ole Miss game was just god-awful, but I'm going to chalk that up to a letdown after you know being able to put more of a scare than I thought they were going to into LSU. But the bottom line for me is that the Auburn defense is what I'm really expecting to carry the day here. And you, you mentioned that, you know, um, you know, Georgia's defense and with, with Auburn's defense, though, the one thing that stands out for me in Georgia, especially in that Florida game, were the consistent third and Granthams that they continuously fucking converted when they had no business converting. And I don't think that's going to happen here against this Auburn defense. So I'm expecting Auburn's defense to keep them in it. And either there's going to be some crazy-ass defensive score, special teams weirdness, or Onyx is just going to put a couple drives together and do just enough to squeak this one out. So Wardam Eagle, we finally disagree, Eddie. Give me Auburn. Hooray! Finally, it feels better. All right, one more time into the Big 12 we go as number eight Minnesota hits the road. Mm, Big 10. Did I say Big 12? You did. Uh, oh. To be fair, it's confusing. The Big 10 has 12. The Big 12 has 11. Oh, goodness. I, I'm, I, as I told Eddie pre-show, I'm, I'm on medication right now, and I think it's starting to mess with my head. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to blame it on. I'm going to blame it on the drugs. But anyway, Minnesota rowing the boat on the road into Kinnick and Iowa. 
Three point favorites are Iowa. And this was another one where I was like, okay, Minnesota, they get the big win. Iowa's going to be the underdog. It's going to be Kennett. It's going to be at night. And then all of a sudden, Iowa comes and is the favorite. And not only are they the favorite, they're short favorite by three points. So this game is basically a toss up. I. Uh, this was going to be so much easier if Iowa was the damn fi- uh, damn underdog here because, I mean, they, they showed a little bit of life. They, they almost came and, and bit Wisconsin. And, man, P.J. Fleck, he's got something going there, but I really I can't shake the fact that, again, I'm looking for some weirdness to happen. I'm looking for a little bit of chaos. If there was ever a time for a letdown game to happen, it's after having one of the biggest wins in your program's history since like the freaking 20s. And then you have to roll into Iowa, who is looking to just spoil somebody's seasons. They came they came damn close to doing it last week. I think they're able to do it this week. At the risk of repeating an old podcast bit, I'm going to take Iowa. Who you got, Eddie? <laughs> you hear that, Ryan? Are you, are you rowing a boat, Eddie? We're rowing the goddamn boat, baby. I mean, you said it yourself. We've already established when the supernatural powers in the state of Iowa come, you need to be a underdog, and it needs to be at night. Three o'clock, a three-point favorite at three o'clock ain't gonna get the job done. Look, Minnesota convinced me after last week. It was an incredible win against Penn State, and Iowa's problem here. They have a very strong defense, but their offense is god-awful. And that line and Min- is bad, too. And Minnesota can score, man. I don't think Iowa can keep up with Minnesota's receivers. And if Minnesota gets up, I don't think Iowa has, has the ability or the firepower to come back and get back in the game. I'm going to take the Gophers, man. Row that damn boat. All right. Well, now two in a row we disagree. Let's Toledo! See what- oh, did- did you just get paid? <laughs> no, no, I'm trying to get back into it. Also, for anyone who isn't watching, the, probably the most violent targeting that I have ever seen happened in this game in the second quarter. Oh, really? <laughs> Dude, uh, I guess I was flipping between that game and a basketball game. I come back, there's a guy on his knees, and a Toledo dude comes from behind and helmet to the back of his helmet. Oh, Jesus Christ. It was it was bad. I'll I'll put it up on Twitter. Oh lord. Uh, it's oh, it's violent, dude. All right. Well, let's let's see how violent this one's going to get. Your new number 1 team in the nation, LSU Tigers. The Roll Tide Fuck You Tigers. <laughs> that that player is oh, the the poor dumbass that recorded that. I'm sure he did a few laps or some such out there. I'm oh, sure Coach yeah. O was real happy about that shit. But anyway, LSU comes on the road for Ole Miss. 21-point favorite, 65-and-a-half the total. Who do you got, Eddie? Give me the Tigers, man. The, the oldest Mississippi is not very good. LSU is obviously very good. Remember last year in our preseason pod when we were like, does Coach O survive Halloween? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> hey, I, I couldn't be happier. I, I think you and I both love Coach O quite a bit. Thank God USC didn't want him. I'm very <laughs> glad he's not there, and they've had the complete clusterfuck they've had. 
Hate to see yeah, it. Man. Just hate to see it. Uh, no, you don't understand the things that I like. I love to see it. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's everything I want more, and I hope it lasts forever. Uh, LSU is very good, and Old Miss is not, is really all this comes down to. I guess you could have some concern of a backdoor if LSU pulls guys late because they don't want to risk injury and Ole Miss scores against backups. But this Ole Miss team is pretty bad. Good against the number. They're 6-3 and three on the year against spread. That's because they've had some big old spreads to cover. And this <laughs> isn't that big. 21 is a highly reasonable number. So give me the Tigers. Yeah, 21 is a highly reasonable number. Uh, however, with 71% of the tickets and 58% of the money, uh, that, that's, that's, the public is also of the belief for the most part. Uh, very interesting, though, that only 29% of the tickets are, are so far over on Mississippi, but 42% of the money. So that's a gigantic little uptick Ooh. there of some potential big bets on the Ole Miss side. And, and no I'm actually, movement on the line. Yeah, no movement. Uh, I am going with Ole Miss. Uh, and it, it has actually, you know, before anybody's like, well, it's because they played Auburn close. Well, actually, Ole Miss has been, they've had a weird habit of making games more interesting than they should be. And, and that's kind of what I'm anticipating here. Uh, they kept it close against the Aggies, um, even against a bad Mizzou team who should have just waxed them. They were able to keep it within 11. Uh, they made things really interesting against Alabama on a very large number, as Eddie said. Uh, hey, at least they beat Arkansas. <laughs> Rest in peace, Chad, Chad Morris. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's really what I'm leaning on here. Is that you know one you got heavy public now all in on a very very good LSU team. Don't get me wrong, they're gonna win. They're gonna win this game easily. Uh, but yeah, some backdoor, uh, you know, cover shenanigans could happen here, but Ole Miss just, especially at home. I mean, there's a little bit of a letdown factor here and there's also a little bit of the factor of like LSU's defense. It's not awful, but they've been prone to actually giving up a few more points than you would normally expect an LSU team to give. It's not that they're, they just give up chunks. They, they just have the mental lapse for a player or two that ends up coming to bite them in the ass. So. I think Ole Miss can take advantage of that just enough to keep this one interesting, keep it close. So after agreeing seven times or actually eight times in a row, Eddie, we haven't agreed since. Let's see if we can keep that streak going. Just had to get to that ad break. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Now we are for sure going to the Big 12 this time as number 10 Oklahoma heads in as a 10 point favorite against Baylor. And Baylor is the home team here. Your uh, total is 67 and a half. I feel very good about that under, especially the way Baylor's been playing offense as of late. Don't don't do that. Of what? Of the, uh, we'll get there. Go ahead. Okay. I, I apologize. Continue. Uh, but basically, uh, along with Baylor's struggling offense, uh, their defense has been playing very, very well. Uh, and that has been the one thing that has really been the reason they have been able to keep things alive and keep things close enough for the offense to figure it out, whether in overtime. Oh, I know why you're saying you like the under because Baylor and o- OTs has <laughs> fucked it up wait, a couple times. Wait for it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Oklahoma, they, they are the superior team here. Uh, however, Baylor has been able to do just enough fucking weirdness this season to where I don't know if they escape this one alive. 
with the fact that it's at home, they know it's all in, it's all or nothing here. I, I like him to keep this just close enough. Go ahead and, and give me that home dog here. I am on Baylor. Who you got, Eddie? Before we get to that, you recall my lamenting the butt ball. Yes. And how and how there were three overtime scores that flipped the total on oh, me. Oh, oh Christ, they did it to you again. Saturday. <laughs> yes, the over-under is listed at 48 on some sites. On on my local, it was 48 and a half. I went ahead. I'm a connoisseur. I bought up to the key number of 49. Do you know what the score was at the end of fucking regulation, Ryan? I sure do. It was nine to fucking nine. There was zero to nine. (laughs) I had literally 31 goddamn points of cover. (laughs) And still... Those sons of bitches for the second time this season flipped a total because of overtime. All right, I'm not, I'm staying away from this total. I completely forgot about that. Now, and not only that, have, Eddie, not only did they fuck you in overtimes, so that game should have been over in the first overtime. They kept committing penalties to keep to keep DCU alive. Fifty one yarders getting knocked in by like sophomores. I mean, it was a, it was a comedy of errors. I almost <laughs> broke my computer. I was I was livid. I was so angry. You would think that that would be enough to make Baylor dead to me. But here's the thing. Much like in the butt bowl when they screwed me on that total as well, I had Baylor in both of those games, and they at least had the courtesy of a reach around to cover their spread still. And undo a little bit of the damage. (laughs) Now, you'll also recall that last week, I said that if Oklahoma doesn't get the job done against Kansas State, then it is symptomatic of the fact that breaking their little wagon was proof (laughs) of a curse upon their house, and that that hex will follow them the rest of the year and that they're dead to me. Well, Oklahoma's dead to me. They, they should have lost to Iowa State. I, as oh man, it's a bad year for those of us who recognize the correct play when you were an underdog in a game and you score a touchdown at the very end that an extra point would tie or two points would go for the win. The right call, you shorten the game. When you are the inferior team, shorten the game. Absolutely. So the longer the game plays out, talent's going to win. Hasn't gone great for us. Didn't work for Carolina against Clemson. Didn't work against Oklahoma. All that being said, a pox on your goddamn house Sooners. Without your wagon, you were nothing. It's too many points. Obviously, Baylor likes taking things to overtime. (laughs) Stay the fuck away from the under forever. They'll go for two this time. This one time, they'll go for two. (laughs) Give me the Bears, Rawr. All right, we are we are back simpatico again. Uh, we haven't touched the Pac-12 yet. Not many people are really touching them anyway. They're the top team. Hey-o. The top team in the Pac-12 is playing about as late as they possibly can. Number six, Oregon, twenty-seven point favorite against Arizona, sixty-eight and a half the total. Who do you got, Eddie? Uh, Oregon is good, and Arizona sucks. So I'm going to take the Ducks here. <laughs> this, this, 
it doesn't really matter what you make this spread, to be perfectly honest. I don't know how much longer Kevin Sumlin's going to be at Arizona. You know, the one thing that Sumlin had going for him in his career is what he's done with quarterbacks. And he took Khalil Tate, obvious podcast, longtime favorite. Oh, and he's just been terrible. Meanwhile, the Ducks actually has something to play for. I mean, they are within striking range of the playoffs. Now, granted, everyone on the committee has their bedtime before any of their games start the second quarter. <laughs> so they got to just put up big numbers that will read good in newspaper box scores. Uh, I will take the Ducks here and feel pretty, uh, pretty confident. Yeah, and the Ducks this season, I mean, here, here's the thing with them. They haven't been putting up, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, they haven't been putting up the offensive numbers of old uh, as far as, you know, putting up, like Eddie says, those big flashy numbers in the box score. They, they've had some weirdness go on, uh, like, for instance, against Washington State. They only win 37-35 to 35 at home, mind you. Um, yeah, they had to come back and beat a good Washington team, but they stomped SC on the road. Uh, which is really driving this number up. Uh, they stomped Colorado, forty-five to three. They had a weird game against Stanford on the road, twenty-one to six. They destroyed Nevada, seventy-seven to six, and uh, a Montana team. They waxed them thirty-five to three. What I'm saying here is that when Oregon faces a bad team, there's a decent chance they're going to score a lot of points. And like Eddie said, now they got all the motivation in the world to actually do so. So it's not just about winning now. It's about winning. It's about winning big. Not only that, Oregon, I mean, they pretty much control their fate in the Pac-12 North. So they're going to, they're all in right now, as far as they're concerned, uh, for trying to go in. I, I don't think they're going to play afraid and, and worry about their, their status of playing in the championship game and maybe getting into the Rose Bowl. Uh, their dreams are a little bit bigger than that now. And they are the entire hope of the Pac-12. So maybe you'll have some Pac-12 ref fuckery as well to help ensure that Oregon comes out big. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to lay those 27. Thankfully, it's not 28. That makes me feel a little bit better. So quack, quack, motherfuckers. Y'all are getting waxed. And yeah, Sumlin, you, you killed my boy Khalil Tate, man. How'd you do that? Heisman, Heisman potential just gone to waste. To be fair, Kevin Sumlin was very good at winning September Heismans. Yeah, he was. He was very good. Uh, he was also very good at finding one uh, otherworldly quarterback and then not doing every, anything since. Uh, okay, en enough about old Aggie upset about Sumlin. Let's move on to the last game. It is Notre Dame's a seven and a half point favorite. Now, I'm going to refresh just to see if we get lucky here, Eddie, because uh, that hook is awful. Uh, against number 23 Navy, total on this one, is 54 points and let's see here did we get lucky have to scroll around uh we did not <laughs> it's, oh Sports. wait wait oh it is it's seven now eddie thank you it is get seven. Rid of that damn hook the hook is Let's, gone <laughs> we can have we can have a little optimism on this podcast Oof, okay well not with to that, tip hands or anything yeah that that makes things even easier for me because uh the reason i've been refreshing was because uh, when taking a look at some other establishments and shopping around, uh, I saw this spread at seven and said, that seems good. That seems fine to me. Uh, because basically, here, here's the concern for Notre Dame, not just covering, but winning in general against Navy. Uh, typically, when a good Navy team comes in, 
it, it is it comes down to a possession game every single time navy has a chance to either win or tie the thing in the last drive it, it seems to have been that way for quite a while unless like i said they've just been flat out bad um and notre dame it, obviously the offensive woes are very well known for this team and when you play a team like navy you get limited drives uh, because they they are here to take the air out of the ball they are here to bleed the clock so your margin for error gets really really small that is unless you got a defense that can actually stop the damn option now notre dame has against teams that actually do some option concepts have uh looked quite frankly, really bad uh, for the most part. They over-pursue. They don't stay in their lanes. However, the one exception of this was when they played Virginia Tech, and they came out with five down linemen. They had a little bit of a different look, and you saw people playing much more disciplined football because they knew full well that Virginia Tech wasn't going to pass to beat them. They had to run right at them, and Virginia Tech had absolutely zero success in doing that. I think Navy will have a little bit more success just by the nature of how the triple option works and how well they run it. But the other thing with Navy is, yes, they're they're good, they're ranked. However, that all being said, you take a look at the teams that they've beaten, and nothing really jumps off the page at you whatsoever. I mean, Air Force is probably their best quality win at this point uh, because Air Force is also putting up some numbers. Uh, but the one loss that they had was a team with the pulse, and that was Memphis, and they lost that game. So now they're going to face a team with the pulse. This is one where, despite the injuries that we got on the line, uh, that we got two two defensive linemen out. Uh, not thankfully, but the the silver lining is that the defensive linemen that are out uh, were not known for their uh, quality work against the option or run defense in general. They were more pass rushing. So I don't think that's going to hurt as much in this one. Um, obviously, now with the, the D-line depth getting thinner, it's going to be very nervous to hope everybody's knees stay intact in this one. But I like. Uh, I think Notre Dame's going to get a couple extra possessions more than they normally would because of their defense. I really like the defense carry of the day. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, I, I think, is going to... Uh, be the new Greer Martini as far as being Navy's worst nightmare against the option because that dude has otherworldly uh, football IQ and recognition skills. I think it's going to help carry this day as well. I think that five down one look, uh, five down lineman look is going to make a return. And I, I, I'm hoping, really hoping that Ian Book has gotten a little bit of mojo back since that Virginia Tech two minute drill. He looked very, <laughs> not like really, really good or anything like that against Duke, but he looked like more like we expected him to look. So I expect that to continue. Go ahead and give me Notre Dame to cover this one. Who do you got, Eddie? I am going to preface this with, I am taking Notre Dame. If you listen to the next couple minutes, you may not think <laughs> that I'm taking Notre Dame, but I'm taking Notre Dame. I do to to show how highly I think of Kyle Hamilton and how much I love him, I want you to know that when you said that Kyle Hamilton is going to be the next Greer Martini, Greer Martini, who I really liked, I was like, man, that's an insult to Kyle Hamilton. That's 
That, I feel like you are far underselling what the man is because I think he's already better than Greer Martini. Well, in, in terms of being the option savant oh. that kept Ken, Kenny Boy up at night. <laughs> oh, no, trust me. I, what you said made perfect sense. It was just the first thing that popped in my head was, man, that's fucked up. Don't do Kyle like that. How dare you, sir? Let's, okay. The reason that I was begging for the hook, this reeks of a one score game. This is the old, I think it was from 300. This will not go quickly. You will not enjoy this. <laughs> this is going to be a painful. Actually, the fun thing is it will go fairly quickly. That's the one good thing about playing Navy is the clock just melts away again because of that option. You don't have a lot of possessions. We'll get out of here in three hours, not four, which is great because i got to go to San Antonio because I got Spurs tickets that night. Yeah, and so I'm, really, I'm, I'm going to want to watch the rest of Georgia-Auburn. Yeah, I'm I'm very pro the 130 kick time on this one. Absolutely. You mentioned that okay, the two guys on the D line aren't necessarily known for their rushing defense. Yeah, that's true. A, you're still missing your best defensive player in Julian Aquara. Absolutely. And while obviously he is normally and same with Dalen Hayes, they are both normally used as pass rushing ends. They both have experience playing against the option. They both still have very good athleticism, high football IQ. They're the type of guys that you want to be able to be part of that option defense because typically, depending upon which side they're going to, that's going to be your guy on the quarterback, and then hopefully your linebacker is covering the running back. We're also, after last week, down alignment with Lamb out for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. The injury starting to mount up scares me. As you mentioned, this is a good Navy team. You know, this is not the, I think some of us still remember when Navy was just a annoying game, but it was always a win because it was for 40 plus years. Yeah. When we were in school, I remember somebody had a sign up. It's like, we don't boo Navy and we don't lose to Navy. Somebody had that sign up in their dorm. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty, pretty true. And then, oh, did things change? You know, I'm not saying that Malcolm Perry is Keenan Reynolds, but Malcolm Perry is a hell of a lot better than a lot of Navy quarterbacks we've seen. Mm -hmm. Kids had a great year. Navy as a whole has had a very strong year, putting up a lot of points. Uh, of, their, of their 1A games, five of them have gone over. They, they know how to put up points. Obviously, when you're playing an option team, you're going to be limited on your possessions. Ian Book had a much better week last week, which, and I really want to praise the offensive line, you know, missing the entire right side. That was the main reason that I think both of us took Duke last week. The line played great. They did. They They did did an absolute job. job. And, and maybe it's because he was trying to give them time or he knew that they wouldn't know how to scramble as well or what, but Ian actually stayed in the pocket on passes and waited for either designed runs or clear holes to open up to then bust out, not just a snap, one 100, ah, oh, fuck it, and bail. <laughs> so Ian, Ian played much better last week. I feel like offensively we should be able to score points. You know, you still worry about the running game, especially given the injuries on the offensive line, but I don't think Navy has anybody that can keep up with Chase Claypool. I don't think they have anybody who can size up with Cole Komet. And hell, Chris Fink's back. 
Yeah. Whoever, whoever space jammed away his powers, they finally <laughs> touched the same football and he remembered how to play. So that's very helpful. It really was night and day uh, on that, uh, in that game. Yeah. I, I really do expect this to be a very close game. I think a one score game is highly likely. If this had stayed at seven and a half, I was going to take Navy. I'll be straight up. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that Notre Dame wins easily. I hope that we have a nice, I mean, last week was so carefree. It was fantastic. Everybody was having a good time on Twitter. Nobody was really worried about anything. Great times had by all. I'd love to do that again. Problem is, I think Navy on paper is the best team remaining on our schedule. They're, They're coming off a bye. They're another one coming off a bye this season. Yeah. Who isn't? Fuck. <laughs> um, but that being said, the other thing that we know about Navy is there's no quit in Navy. They are, they're always going to come 100%. Go Rockets! Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's like the most fucked up version of Tourette's, right? <laughs> <laughs> that would probably be healthier for me. Um, this, this, I'm very concerned this will be a close game, but I think in the end, Notre Dame has such a talent disparity that it should win out. I hope. Yeah, and and one thing, and I agree with you on the running game, but the the line did, you know, they they came to play. And I also think, you know, I will give some kudos to Chip Long saying, you know what? We may not just not have it in the backfield. And if Ian Book is the way this rushing attack works, we have to have something that resembles a rushing attack. So here we go. As much as that scares me, because uh, it's, it's been very clear that the drop off behind Ian is may not be something we will all enjoy. Uh, but if that's what it takes to get this offense moving, fuck it, you got to do it. You, you don't get, you know, you can't win games when you play scared and Notre Dame has nearly played themselves out of some games. So that was the other thing I liked about Duke, you know, book through interceptions, but I was like, yeah, he was being aggressive, whatever. And, you know, they weren't just god awful, like, oh, how did you not see that guy type interceptions? So, well, the other, the other thing for Book's stat line, if people are like, oh, why didn't you put up more against Duke? You know, you erase a 75 yarder because of a backside hold that honestly had no effect on the so play. Ticky tack. Which, I mean, good Lord. I feel, I hope that all of those refs have James, Dr. James Andrews number because they're all going to need fucking Tommy John the way they were throwing flags. Those dudes must have thrown 150 pitches that game. That was ridiculous. Oh, man. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. I really, the, the refereeing, and I know we've been, you know, harping on ACC refs because we see them much, but overall, like just in general, the refereeing has sucked, not just in the college game. It's been bad in the NFL too. It has just not been great. The, the amount of penalties has shot up in an insane rate. And yeah, I know um, the NFL refs were on a strike. So, ha- so most of them are scabs. Is it the same with college refs or are they a separate deal? I think should, they're a separate it's deal. It's completely right? separate. And it's, you know, within the conferences, there's no, at least to my knowledge, I don't believe there's an entire like college that's not a nationalized union or anything like that. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, they just suck. <laughs> yeah. They're, and, and look, the Pac 12 is still the king because last week, you know, mm. going on the ref tangent, they literally called a penalty on the wrong team. And the Pac 12 had to come out and say that they fucked up. 
Like it's, yeah, it's just suspended been the crew for a full game. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's that's the refereeing aside. It's it's just not been good. Uh, and look, I know you, they they have tough jobs and everything, but when it, when it is this egregious, you're just like, can, can it not be just a little bit better? Uh, but yeah, like I said, I, I liked how loose they were playing. Uh, they weren't afraid to make mistakes. And yeah, you know, the score could have been a little bit higher had that one. Uh, and, and also, it could have been a shutout had that touchdown not get gotten wiped out because that gave Duke a, over. Uh, incredible field position because Bramlett shanked had one of his few shanks of the season and everything just was magic for Duke. And that's the only way they scored. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, I really like how the offense played. Uh, I'm hoping that chip long has has figured it out, pulled his head out or, or whatever needs to happen. Um, you know, I, I really hope we can look back at that two minute drill against Virginia tech and say, that was the moment where, where the apparently something happened with Toledo where the world came off of Ian Book's shoulders and then he was able to to proceed and play again. Um but yeah, um the biggest concern I do have because this line does have depth for Notre Dame on the de- defensive side. I do not want to keep testing it. I feel like we're getting very dangerous right now in having to test the defensive line depth. And anytime you play Navy, oh god, that's incredibly scary. Uh and our our other positions not as deep cornerback man that's a problem if somebody uh takes a little bit of a a too low shot at the knees at one of our cornerbacks we're in a world of hurt there uh same thing with safeties as well that's those are things we just cannot have happen so uh everybody protect your knees and let's just walk out of this with an easy victory for the love of god last week was so much fun Yes, it was. Ryan, I, I even covered my mouth. That wasn't actually the football, although Toledo has tied it up, which mm, shout out to the Rockets. But <laughs> LeBron James just threw down a violent tomahawk that that was a that was there. Was, that was an uncontrollable sound. That was a physical reaction <laughs> that I could not stop. Oh, uh, first good. off, everyone listening, I want you to lift your arms in the air like you are feeding into Goku's spirit bomb. And give your energy to Sean Crawford. Oh, because if Sean yes. if Sean Crawford is playing in this game, we all need to give him our energy. Protect your frail ligaments, my poor, poor boy. I love Sean Crawford so much, and he's been through so much, and he has fought through so much, and yet he keeps coming back and coming back. And I know the Navy game's all about respect and all that bullshit that if you've been listening to this podcast with me on it for any amount of time, you know, he cares about this more than anything in the world. Yeah. That's, that's really what I love about college football is when we're all singing fucking kumbaya and hugging (laughs) and all that shit. As Ryan said, watch your knees. We've seen it too many times and Sean Crawford has been through too much to get an ACL taken out of him by a midshipman in his last game one of his last games is in at notre dame just send him your energy let's let's all be together on this this is you will have i mean the navy game draws out a lot of emotions from people there there are people that want to end the series like boy there are people who say how could you ever this is the greatest thing in college football because respect and beauty and pageantry and all that. And don't get me wrong. I, I love the dual alma mater singing 
uh, the history behind this game. If you, if you don't know about it, there are some fantastic books uh, and, and resources out there that can provide information for you about, you know, Navy needed places to be. Notre Dame needed help during the war. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great relationship. It's a great series. The other thing that I want to mention, uh, as I saw on, of course, as we all know, the greatest Notre Dame blog out there without question or any peer, uh, Notre Dame, our blogger, in their recap of the Duke game, they mentioned about how Ian Book had, had a really good game and how obviously he's been through a lot of criticism. And apparently, I, I didn't know about this, but I guess on his Instagram page, he had to turn off comments because people he were, sure leaving, did. Yeah. were leaving shitty comments. Think about his social media like this year. You know, first he's like oh. having like a misconnection with a cheerleader he drilled in the nose. <laughs> and now he's God, having to I turn- forgot about that. That yeah. feels like it was three years ago. Exactly. Now he's like, fuck this shit. I can't deal with social media anymore. Like, turn this shit off, which one, well, don't blame him. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I, I feel like that is another constant thing that we've talked about on this podcast. Typically it's of the mind of if you tweet it recruits. You are a fucking terrible human being. Like, don't talk to children, you fucking psychopaths. Please, just leave them alone. Like, don't don't go tagging players. Don't go seeking out their pages and leaving them comments when they make a bad play or all that stuff. If you want to say in your own tweets, oh, somebody made a shitty play, okay, that's fine. Whatever. Man, like these are kids. Let them let them live. What are you doing? Don't tweet at players. Don't tweet at recruits. Don't go on their Instagram. Don't follow 18 year olds on Instagram. (laughs) You sickos. (laughs) I'm calling the police and you can't go within 500 feet of a school. He's a lawyer. He can make this happen. Fucking stop it. You weirdos. Look, we're running out of football. We are. We're, we're running out of games. That scares me because currently I'm down two points to Ryan. I, I mean, we're talking about a Notre Dame Navy-esque streak here. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great comparison. Ass. We might. We, <laughs> I, am I wrong? It hasn't been that many years. But you've never beaten me in a head-to-head bet ever this on anything. True. This is true. I bet we're close to 43, my guy. Oh, I don't think it's that many. I hope. All I'm saying is I'm not trying to have Manti Teo watch me lose to you in a goddamn snowstorm. <laughs> Enjoy the football that we have left. Look, we're going to Orlando. We're going to the Camping World Bowl. I don't why I don't understand why anyone pretends that there's any possibility of the Cotton Bowl. You're silly. Unless a meteor takes out half of the country, it ain't gonna happen. Just enjoy what we have left. Enjoy the football, both ours and around the world. If you're not watching this beautiful matching game like I am, A, that's good because you're not embracing a ridiculous sweat on a Wednesday. That's silly. (laughs) But it's a 28-28 game on a Wednesday night. What else are you going to do? Talk to family? No. Take care of children? You already screwed up. Why'd you have kids, dummy? Enjoy the football that's left. It's on pretty much every day. If you can't find a football game, you're really just not trying hard enough. I love you all. Beat Navy, please.
please keep Sean Crawford safe. His, his poor ligaments are made of twine and twigs. I can't deal with him getting hurt again. He's been through too much. He's, he's fought through too much. Sean, take our power. Go Irish, hell gambler. All right, and that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you for everybody that joined us here live on twitch.tv slash Sons. Make sure you join us tomorrow night for The Sim. And of course, you can also follow the podcast by subscribing over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to get your podcast feeds at. Come join us in Discord. That is our live chat channel, herloyalsons.com slash Discord. And of course, you can always find us on our home. It does exist with site when it says herloyalsons.com. Guys, be Navy. Have a good one. 